found this beautiful hotel with this gorgeous view. Of, like, literally, just midtown Manhattan right across the way. And you're watching Law & Order. Yes. You have to watch Law & Order. And you, in, fact, in fact, whenever we check into a hotel... Mm. Law and, you know, Jillian and I will text each other. And I'll go, <laughs> Law and Order's on whatever channel, you know, because all yeah. the channels are different all over yeah, the yeah, country. Yeah. So, you know, I text her, Law and, or she'll text me, Law and Order on channel 28 or, you know, whatever it is. It's very cool. And once you find Law and Order, you know the day's going to go okay. And you'll get through the day. It's like you found Magnetic North. Like yes, you know, exactly. You, you've orient, you orientated found, yourself. You found Magnetic North with... with yeah. um, Law and order, yeah. It's interesting. I, I'll do that, too. I, but um, why, why, in this day and age, mm-hmm. when pot is almost completely legal across mm-hmm. the country, well, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but sure, why, isn't there, why isn't there a law and order channel? I, there, if we had marijuana legalized... There almost is. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those... It's on at any point, any day. No, it's not on on Mondays. It's not really? on anywhere okay. on Mondays. It seems to me, I don't know, maybe, uh, it seems to me that through syndication, it's, it's always on. Or some yesterday. Some yesterday I noticed that it was on three different stations, yeah. Law & Order, at the same time. So, but they bunch it up. Yeah. And then on Mondays, you don't get any Law & Order. And it's really kind of, it makes my life kind of harder, you know? And I have to suffer through the Mondays. Do you, I mean, the thing that really struck me about Law & Order is you guys were discussing... This episode that you've seen three times. No, I've seen it more than three. Okay. times. Okay, but you but you knew. I mean, you you know you you, you knew what was going to happen. It sounded like a, uh, a David Fincher movie. All of a sudden, it was like seven. But you is it is it just sort of a a, a comfort thing? You know, just watching the same Law and Order again. Oh, I'm I'm extremely redundant. Mm. I think I like watching stuff I've already seen because I can hear it and I can picture in my mind because I, 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 I do a lot of writing with the TV mm-hmm. on yeah. you know kind of formatting interviews and you know there's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. detail before you, you get down and then I have to mute it but um, you can hear it so you you know you're familiar with it it's you know so it, I know plus I learned from hearing not from seeing or because yeah. or, I'm, I'm a really kind of uh, severe dyslexic you know, so I, I, if I hear something, I can usually write it. But it, but it's it's almost white noise at the point when, I mean, if you're writing, if you're if you're editing stuff down. To well, me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not editing when I'm watching okay. TV. I'm formatting, you know, interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have to put a line between them, and you have to, you know, do all the crap along. Because it's really important to um, to be able to find stuff. Very fast, very quickly. So you have to kind of yeah. be a little obsessive about yeah. the uh, labeling. It seems. It seems like you've you've sort of you've, you've become a, an editor in a sense. I mean, a lot of you know, a couple of your books have been you you taking the source material and formatting. The, the most recent book really was right. I mean, you oh yeah, completely. Yeah, crawling through her her yeah. diaries. We did a hundred. Well, they weren't diaries. They were mm. journals. They were just written freehand, mm-hmm. and you know, every page. And a, there was a lo- like two thirds of the book was fiction, you know. She wrote short stories, mm-hmm. which Jillian wanted to include, but I, they, they kind of really lowered the bar of her writing, you know. Yeah. And um, I didn't want it, but they had great titles like "The Kingdom of the Forty Ouncer," <laughs> you know, stuff like that, which is kind of cool. But the yeah. story sucked. 
Yeah. And I wanted to go, oh, come on. Because in the, um, we're talking about Dear Nobody, the True Diary of Mary Rose that Jillian and I are the co-editors on. That's put out by Source Fire Books in Chicago. That is out now at available at, at your local bookstore That's or good. independent That's bookstore. That's good. You're good. Yeah. Yes, You've done very this good. before. Oh, yeah. But um, I forgot what I was saying after that long self-promotion. Talk, we, we, we were talking about editing, about um, what, what you were doing with the all the pages you were uh, it was kind of It was kind of more difficult because we're used to having an incredible amount of stuff to work with. And this was only 400 pages. Mm. And as I said... I, 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 about half of it was fiction, and we didn't want to use that. But her day to her day to day writing was just so alive, and it it was kind of interesting. It got better as she got older. It's only she's uh, fifteen when the book starts, and yeah. seventeen when she dies. She died on April uh, February twelfth, nineteen ninety nine, and um, of a real. I mean, it, I'm not going to be a, a, a give you. A, a spoiler alert, yeah. so I'm not going to ruin it for you. But but um, she didn't know that she was suffering, was it was cystic fibrosis? Yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, she did. So she, she was diagnosed when she was one years old. Yeah. And then her father left. No, she, diagno- she was diagnosed when she was eight months old, and her father left a few months after that, and never was part of the family again. Really kind of awful story, you know? So how did this... How did this come into your life? How did you how did you find out about this? I live in this small town in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is really kind of nice and it's very idyllic, um, very peaceful and very. Uh, I wish I was there. <laughs> you will um, be soon enough. Yeah, right? no, I got meetings this week, but anyway, um, and I, my house is right across the street from the post office, and I became really good friends with my postmaster. His name is Fred, and he's in a heavy metal cover band <laughs> called Dog Bite Money. And they, what's great about the name is they all used to be mailmen, because he worked with them, and yeah, the whole yeah, band yeah. was made up of mailmen. Sure. And one of the guys got bit by a dog, and he sued the, the people. And when his father came and said, oh, here's your Dog Bite Money. <laughs> so they took that for the band. But his kid, Fred's kid, yeah. was borrowing a book for me, his daughter. Really nice, really nice kids. He has two kids. And... Um, you know, I, I was asked, so what do you read? You know, I always ask people, you know, what do you read? You know, because yeah. I want to find out what's, you know, should sure. I read this? Because you know, I, I think most people actually really find out about books from someone telling them. There's someone they respect kind of telling them, you know? It's also just an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. And she's not a kid, and she said, you know, she listed off the popular titles of the day. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, Legs, the best thing I ever read. And I didn't know this. I just, I just re-interviewed her. She was trying to hope that I would do exactly mm-hmm. what I did. She was a sharp kid, mm-hmm. man. Um, so, um, and she said, but the best thing I ever read were these journals that my best friend's older sister wrote. And she died. Which immediately yeah. lit something in my mind because I had always been really, really upset that Go Ask Alice turned out to be fiction. Yeah. You know, that it was made up by its yeah. Avon editor. I don't know if all your listeners out there who read Go Ask Alice when they were 12 or 13 or 14 years old and thought it was a true story. I'm sorry to say it's not. And dear nobody is the true go ask Alice. What's really what's really funny? It really about is. That, it really is. But what's really funny? And about it's actually even more intense yeah. than go ask Alice. What's funny about go ask Alice? And I've, I've heard this before from from somebody else. Uh, there was a, a comedian actually who had a bit about it, and he was saying the way that he realized that it was fake was, and I think he said the same thing was the slang. Yes. 
Yeah, the slang. No one used that slang. Yeah. Well, you've you've read another interview with me where I've said that. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't say that now. No, no, no. Um, but it's so you've done your homework. Yeah. Well, I, I read a couple interviews <laughs> in, in, in as much as that's as that's homework. But it's funny that that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it that that is when you've got an old, you know, when you, you know, when you've got like an older guy trying to write as a a, a teenager. I mean, that's well, the Jillian, thing. Jillian and I love slang. Yeah. You know, we've, you know, and, you know, it was like, I mean, I think that's what makes Please Kill Me so great, you know, is the slang and the, and the, and the way the authenticity of the voices, mm-hmm. it was, was kept, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's the good guy who actually confesses that he helped rape the, with the other two guys. The good guy confessed that he raped well, he's the he's one of the three bad guys who yeah. raped her, but he's actually a really good guy. Oh, and he comes forward and tells the truth. I see. He's a he's a good rapist. Yes. Well, he, <laughs> he he has he has remorse. Okay. Um, th- is that why? Uh, oh, that's David Allen Greer. Who's that? The uh, lawyer oh. from uh, In Living Color. No. No, you might recognize him when you see him. He's been in a lot of things. But uh, is that is that why Please Kill Me was an oral history versus um, you know being sort of a prose book was to keep all of that language intact? Um. Well, I think the I think the oral history. What Jillian and I call what we do the narrative oral history, mm-hmm. and I think it was done like that because one we both really loved Edie the Edie um, Sedgwick book. Yeah. That yeah. Jean by Gene Stein and George Plimpton. And they actually did another book before the Edie book about Robert Kennedy, hmm. um, which was an oral history too. It's kind of, you can kind of see them coming together to make the narrative oral history. And, and Gene Stein talks about the narrative oral history and, the, and, the, and how to do it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's quite, I think, I think, I love the oral history format because, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm moving the microphone, I know. But, I love the oral history format because um, the immediacy of it. Yeah. You know, the immediate, it's just right, bam. Well, I mean, the, you know, the, to me, the really interesting thing about... I don't know, I was, I was just reading a, a short story the other night. Mm-hmm. By, I think it was by Wilkie Collins. Mm. And I, I kept thinking, get to the point. You know, yeah. you know like, yeah. I, 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 I was once described in a, mag- a magazine article as having the patience of a as long as a <laughs> manic depressant's fingernail, which mm. is a great line yeah. if you think about it. But um, it's kind of true. You know, I'm really impatient. I'm probably the most mm. impatient person on the planet. And um, the oral history scene, it just moves. So yeah. you, can, you, can, uh, you can really get it, get it cooking, you know? It's, it's such a fun... When you get when you have this, I mean, it takes so long to assemble out years yeah. and years. Jillian and I are actually working on one together right now. Well, the, the um, I mean, it's the, the how many do, do you do you know how many hours of interviews you actually did to put that that book together? Which one? The, uh, please kill me. I think there's about three hundred interviews, hmm. and some of those are be tape one, and t- you know, be two tapes, but they'll go up to. Um, Ten or fifteen hours hmm. on a single person. So I think Dee Dee, I have about ten hours with. Yeah. And, and we're Joey, talking in about, the thousands. 
of hours to put that. Yeah, in. I, I, don't, I don't. You'd have to, you know, yeah. three hundred times. Yeah. Variety of. Well, you need a lot, you know, because you only you're only going to use about five percent of what yeah. you get. You know, like you want the cream. To, you know, you really want it to to move. You know. And, and the process is, uh, I mean, if I, I guess if you're lucky, you go interview somebody. You 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 find some of the source material, and you want to actually go back and revisit the conversation with that person to, I don't know, corroborate the stories or, or add to that specific story to create a more cohesive narrative. What? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Jesus Christ! That's... Are you laughing over there? <laughs> she 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 got that right. <laughs> What? what the? You're trying. You're trying to connect. You're trying to connect these dots to tell to tell a story, and and you're trying to have these but, different quotes complement each other. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to. Thank you. Could you write that down? I'll say that. <laughs> I don't know what I do. I just know how to do it. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. I'm very good. And I'm very fast. Yeah. But I don't really know how it works. It's, it's a lot of it's intuitive. You know. But what, what, like, what limited experience I have doing uh, oral history is it's, you know... I'll you also have to know story structure. Yeah. You know? But if I... I do know... But for some reason, I'm only fascinated by nonfiction. Hmm. Like, I can't write fiction. I just don't... Yeah. I don't believe... I th- I, it feels like a lie. Well, it I, is. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not... I guess I'm just not a good enough liar. Hmm. You don't like You'd think either. I would be, but I'm yeah. not, you know? Maybe that's my problem. I wasn't a good enough liar, you know? Hmm, interesting. Anyway, where were we? So, um, so you're working on a Manson book, right? Is that? Well, it's actually... Yes, I, yes. Yeah. It, yeah, we are. But Manson kind of... Because it's... Basically, it's the entire 60s. Mm. Right now we're starting with the JFK assassination and going to, you know, the end of '70, when the when the when the Manson people get the death penalty. So that's that's so we. I mean, there's a lot to fill in. There, yeah. You know, and we kind of based it in the music scene, hmm. the Beach Boys, Terry Melcher, the uh, you know the Laurel whole, Canyon. I mean, yes, exactly. Because you, you it, Charlie seems even more <laughs> more incredibly insane. When you take him out of the music business, mm. but when you mm. when you kind of put him in the music business, yeah, it kind of makes sense. When he's just that uh, culty hippie guy who's trying to get his somebody to record his his songs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and he's in and out of recording, and he you know he doesn't know how anything works. Mm. He, he 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 keeps you know he has like naked girls you know running around the studio and. And he's complaining that the microphone's in his face. I mean, he's just an asshole, you know. Um, but what's... Uh, it's, it's either going to be a masterpiece or it's going to be hmm. a really, really tremendously expensive failure. <laughs> you know, but I, I think it's, it's going pretty good, I must say. You know, this is. I mean, a lot of people have written about Charles Manson. How did? Why did? Why did that project? That, that project appeal to you specifically? How did because you I knew. It? I knew the um, story that we've all learned from Helter Skelter is not mm-hmm. the story. You, 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 you basically wanted to get to the bottom of the truth. 
I just want to know what happened. Okay. This is, this is a really long process of you kind of figuring out what, what happened. It's well, we've talked to people that have yeah. never talked to anyone. Yeah. You know? Because people, wanna, people will talk to us. And we stay on them for years and years, you know? In, in as much as you can talk about it, obviously it's, it's still in the future, but I mean, what, if, what have you discovered about it that as, as much as you want to give away, what have you discovered about it that's not in the books that we've all read? The entire story. What does that mean? It means you got to wait for the book. <laughs> Where, where did you start with that in terms of going out we, and when, to when You know what? You start really wide. Mm-hmm. And we've been working on this on and off for 10 years, but now we're going right. on it straight. So, yeah. um, where did we start? We started all over. Yeah. Just pick up where you, where you can. It's something people still... As you get... As you know more, you get closer and yeah. closer, and more people will talk to you. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's sort of what I was getting at with, I guess, my really convoluted question earlier about the oral history is, um, I mean, that's what's exciting to me about when I'm, when I'm writing something like that, is interviewing somebody, finding something new out, and then going back to somebody and finding the other side of that story. Yeah, that's what we like doing. Yeah. That's what's so great about this. Plus, we want to know, you know? Yeah. Like... You know, it's funny because Julie and I, when we're doing an interview, we never use notes. We just know instinctively. And whenever the person stops talking and Julian and I come in, we'll always come in together with the same question. Hmm. You know, it's really uncanny. Have, have you guys have you guys been doing interviews together the whole time? I and mean, was was please tell me the two of you double teaming interviews? I had a lot of interviews. I had a lot yeah. of the Dee Dee stuff. I had stuff, Richard Hell, Joey, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff. But Jillian was there for, yeah, for most yeah. of them. She's very, very good. Very, very good interview. Very, you know. Uh, and I trust her to do an interview yeah. without me, you know. This is just, it's a very, I mean, these are going to be two very different books from the standpoint of, like, you know, please, please kill me. Uh, no, they're not. Well, no, but from the standpoint of, of, of your um, proximity of the material, you know, of you, of you actually sort of being in, in the middle of that world versus now just sort of coming from outside and being fascinated by the topic. But a lot of Please Kill Me I was not there for. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there for the whole Stooges part. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that stuff. I kept having to go back to Ann Arbor. Yeah. And we got Kathy Ashton. Was, I mean, the reason why that book worked so well is because we got people who were actually the linchpins. Yeah. Kathy Ashton was the linchpin between the MC5 and, and, and the Iggy and the Stooges because she started dating Fred Smith mm-hmm. and she was the sister of Ronnie and Scotty Ashton. I mean, you know, I, I think once you get the... And I got Malcolm McLaren, to, and I didn't have to prompt him. He said, oh, we completely stole it from New York, mm-hmm. you know? I went to England like Marco Polo, and yeah. I said, "I, you know, I want to write your own damn version of Blank Generation." And they wrote "Pretty Vacant." You know? I mean, he, when he when you say that, that that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. So you don't you, you don't have to. I mean, he's the guy who yeah. did it, saying it. You know, yeah. So. 
but it but it's interesting you know that she was sort of you know that that I guess that in a lot of cases especially when you're 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 working on a, a book that large that the people who are really shining these new new lights are are the people that nobody's really thought to go talk to right they're they're the ones who are who are connecting those dots are are you know well you know it's not my fault that no one them. else goes to look for the people who yeah. connect the stuff I mean you know I just think it makes more interesting but that's how you get outside of the same stories over and over again I mean it easily could have been a, a book full of you know the same punk cliches yeah of course yeah yeah I don't know you know I'm just I just like doing it yeah you know the so the Manson the, the Manson documentary are you talking to I assume that you're trying to talk to as many surviving members of, of of the family, but who are who are telling the most interesting stories? I mean, who are really a lot of people? Yeah, you want specific names? I'm not. No, 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 no. I, I'm no, not I, giving you a, no, anything. No, no, I'm not. Funny. I'm not. I'm not, trying, I'm not going out and writing a, a competing book, but you know, I'm just kind of wondering. It, it, I, I guess it's. I guess it's surprising to me that there are. Okay, let me just say yeah. this. The, the, the main story of Helter Skelter um, was, was, you know, invented by Vincent Bugliosi in order to convict these people, mm-hmm. you know? And you'll, you'll use anything to get a conviction, especially in this crime that seems so senseless, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's why a lot yeah. of this was left out, because they didn't need it to prosecute it. Or they were... The, the, the L.A. Police Department... There's also a political thing going on here because, you know, L.A. has a lot of unincorporated land in it, which means the sheriff's department mm-hmm. comes in. So a lot of a lot of these neighborhoods you think as L.A. are controlled by the sheriff's department, and the incorporated parts of Los Angeles are controlled by the Los Angeles Police Department. So there's a lot of confusion and and screw-ups going on, which is why it took them so long um, to put this case together, Hmm. you know? Especially when they knew this... They knew that Manson was at the ranch and that he was trying to start a war with the Black Panthers, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, out of Malibu substation, uh, which is right off to Camp to Topanga Canyon Boulevard, um, and they had they actually had uh, posters on the wall saying "Don't arrest anybody at Spawn Ranch," hmm. you know. So they and and they could have gotten Charlie for underage girls, drugs, guns. I mean, he was a parole guy, hmm. so they could have they could have basically. Plus, Charlie got arrested like two or three times yeah. at the ranch once for rape and, and his bail was I mean was, you know they kept letting him out they were waiting for something to happen well they were hoping yeah. that he would start a war with the Black Panthers and they could go and kill them all I mean at that time J. Edgar Hoover said that the black nationalist movement is the, 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 the most severe threat to America mm. today so you had that I mean these guys were serious racists yeah. you know and the black guys, 
you know, the black guys had the audacity to show up at the Capitol, the state Capitol in Sacramento, with guns because it was that was the only time the NRA ever voted against guns. When they were in the hands of black people. When they were in the hands of black yeah. people, which just goes to show you yeah. how deep the racism in this country um, goes, you know? You've, uh, what, what surprises me is, you know, because again, this, this is one of those stories that, that people have told or tried to tell in any number of ways. I know I, I heard somebody talking about a, a tour that they give. There's a Manson tour you can go on. Yeah. Well, um, the, yeah, but they're following all the. Yeah, the, the, from the, the yeah from, from the, book. the books. The, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of other places. Man. Yeah, I mean that's what it's 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 shocking to me that hear, to hear that, especially for uh, a story as well known as that. And we've been to them, and man, they're creepier yeah. than hell. You yeah. Know? The 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 the. It's the only time there was one road. It was the only time I've ever turned around hmm. and said, "I can't do this." In the canyon. No, it was some. It was in Northern California. Okay, interesting. With giant, giant redwoods. The sequoias, yeah. You, yeah, you kept expecting to see dinosaurs come running out. You know, it was like bizarre. So this is just, I mean, it's its literally taking you in. And the places. strongest pot I've ever smoked in my life. Oh, the Humboldt County. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, you know, you, you, you talk to somebody, you find out a little piece of the story, you, you book a trip to Northern California? That's how the process works for you? No. No. It just, it sounds like, you, you know, and, and, and it sounds like a really fun way to write a book, but it sounds like you're sort of following tips around. Well, they're more than tips. Yeah. They're facts. Yeah. But somebody we, tells we, you to talk to somebody else? Well, we also, we also have a private detective on the payroll, and uh, we, have, we have a lot of people, yeah. you know? So, um, they were all at dinner. <laughs> all ten of them. Um, yeah, we we kind of really uh, researched the stuff pretty heavily. Is, is that why it's been a ten-year process so far? It's just how large of a story it is? Yeah, yeah. It's big. It's really big. It's kind of like walking you through the 60s. Hmm. You know how Please Kill Me could kind of walk you through the... Yeah. You know the punk. You know, and, yeah. yeah. You know, the, you know, Ann Arbor, New York dolls, and you know, you really got, you really felt like you were there. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to do that again. You know, so that's kind of daunting. You know, but we seem, we seem to be, it seems to be going. Believe it or not. Yeah. That's that's hard. I mean, you know, one of the things you really have to try to do is find a a through line between this, you know, find kind of a something that, that connects each story to the next one and, and when you're doing But when it, when when you find that connection yeah. it really connects. Yeah. You know? It's like, you know, you're not inventing it. Yeah. You know, the connection really exists. And that's what's very cool about it. Because then all these other people open up to you, you know? And this whole other world. People that you don't think of. Hmm. You know? As being a part of that story like you don't think of you know John Phillips you know writing songs at Terry Melcher's house but he hmm. you know he, he left some in the piano bench I had to pick them up after the murders so you don't think of 
you don't think of these big iconic stars that yeah. we know as being in the same room with these people. Other than Dennis Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But there were a lot of people. Yeah. In the same room. Yeah. You know. And really, really, um, it's kind of it, it's kind of about class hmm. in a way, which you don't think of America as being uh, as, as as being it's a classless society, but it's really not. You know. Well, well L.A. Is, seems like a place where it's pretty well defined. Yeah. In terms of communities and. You know, from 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 one from one neighborhood to the next in Los Angeles, there there are very few places in the country where it's that clear cut. Yeah, I guess I I guess I think of New York City as being more democratic, and it is. You know, yeah, LA's weird. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's. I think it's because they don't have mass transit. Well, you know, because yeah. when you're rubbing up against people yeah. on the subway, not that I've ridden on the subway lately, but you know. When I did for my whole life, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, when those guys come on the subway and they're they're asking for money, you know, everybody roll, you know, you look at the guy across, he's rolling his eyes, and you're, you know, there, there's a shared, there's a shared common human experience of mass transit that I think is um, necessary for a city to survive. Yeah, well, it's also it's also that there's really no place to go here you know in in a place like LA if you it's easy to wall yourself off it's easy to escape it's easy to create a a different community when it's such a a sprawling neighborhood when you yeah again when you can only get from place to place by by driving a car you can keep a a safe distance from the people that you don't want to associate with I don't know I don't know Hmm. I'm not I'm not expert enough to speak about LA. What what brought you to to Pennsylvania? I was hoping no one would know who I was, and I could live uh, kind of a they leave, people leave me alone. It's very nice, you know. They yeah. don't care about anything. All this crap, you know. So it's kind of nice, and there's there's a lovely little church bells that ring every hour, and it's kind of nice. It's kind of quaint. And there's a there's a river at the end of my street, and there's a. They tore up the railroad railroad tracks and put in this trail, and it's. I walk my dog on it, and it's. Um, it's really pretty, mm. you know. It's really nice. It's a lovely town. You know, well, there's only fifteen hundred people in this yeah. town. It's kind of impossible to find, and and you want to make it impossible because you don't want people to come knocking on your door. It's it's a little ironic that you can be more uh, anonymous in a, such a small town. Well, I'm not anonymous, but mm-hmm. they um, they leave me alone. Yeah, you know, and they're they're very nice. My next door neighbor lives in the same room he was born in. That's what kind of small town mm-hmm. it is. You know, my house was built in the 1880s, so it's like a hundred and something it's, it's very cool it's like an Adams family house yeah you know secret secret passageways no but that's a good idea we gotta put <laughs> we gotta put them in you, yeah, you might I, just not have found yeah, them some, yet yeah yeah I know yeah I know um so, so you were being you were being people people were bothering you based on your history and living in New York City no not really bothering me um 
uh, I think there's a you know when you, when I was living here I'd go out you know and I'd you know go to breakfast or lunch but everybody always knew who I was mm-hmm. you know yeah. and there's a self-consciousness that comes with that I'm a very self-conscious guy so um, th- there's an unselfish uh, I-, I can be unself you know I can be in my bathrobe till 3 o'clock and I can wear whatever I want you know there's something of being a, a, a kind of a public figure that's that's yeah. a little bit annoying you know and not that I I'm more infamous than famous you know so but I also the the work kind of demands full concentration you know and and not being interrupted because even when the phone rings and you're editing something and you've got all mm-hmm. these things in your mind everybody thinks oh you hang up you say oh I'm busy you hang up the phone no it takes you another hour to get back into it it's really you know it's yeah. really hard it's really uh, a, a lot of concentration oh yeah writing on the computer is the worst too right because you're well, doing writing a, when you're editing a oral hit, when you're yeah. trying to cut this in and I was just doing it yesterday I'm having a great day and the, the problem with doing these promotion things is you just get back into the book and then you have to leave again which is what's awful about it you know you seem to have been doing this because I, I, yeah, yeah, I follow you on, on Facebook and you, you seem to have been touring on this book for at least a year at this point, right? I mean, no, it came out April first, okay. and and we've been doing it. It just seems like, it, as far as as far as book book tours go, it seems to have been a a really long book tour. Um, well, some of those places we wanted to go to interview people, so okay, we, we used it as an excuse. Oh, I see for for the upcoming book. Yes, yeah, I have, which is great cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but but I mean, it came it came out on you know not a I guess not a, a huge publisher but it's it's grown right i mean as you've been out touring it's yeah we've sold quite a few books we've sold quite a few books i think people also kind of interested to read it you know in this age of hyper reality where where, where all these scripted shows come on and have nothing to do with reality like you know they all say well reality tv you know it's all a bunch of lies and scripts you know i mean they get they get really bitchy girls to be on on Ink Masters, yeah. you know, so they can yeah. say, you know, yeah. and they beep them, and they, they, these girls swear, yeah. and they, they just, you know, go on and on, and, you know, I mean, they got that creepy girl, so you'll stay and watch it, you know, so you'll get involved in the show. Oh, they always get rid of her after, yeah. you know, like four episodes, but you're already then hooked into the rest of the characters. They know what they're doing, you know? This is not reality, Okay. So when you do a book like Dear Nobody, where we actually have mm-hmm. the entire manuscript scanned in, so you can't say this was invented, you know, like like uh, your, like Go Ask Alice, yeah. you know, we can show you mm-hmm. exactly, and it's all her drawings and doodles in the book. And I think I don't know. I would I would want to read that book, yeah. you know. What, what what is what's the audience like? Is it is it a lot of um, YA readers? Is it younger? Uh, that was so bizarre to me that yeah. they, they Julie said, "Oh, a YA." Po-. I said, "YA? Yeah. We're, we're not young adult. We're you know. I mean this." And I said, "I said, do, do they use this kind of language? You know, because I I would have graduated from high school had I ever graduated in 1974, but." Um, they didn't use they they didn't 
use the kind of language yeah. in young adult, or I don't know if there was young adult. Probably oh, that's wasn't. a relatively new thing, yeah. and that's a, that's very much a, a publisher term. I mean, I, people know it now, but it's it's one of those things that seems to have been created by the publishers to yeah. classify that. People weren't no, nobody was saying young adult until book publishers started calling yeah. young adult. But is is it? You're dead it's teenagers pretty, and I mean all the language of please kill me, it's all in yeah. nobody, you know? Yeah. So I didn't think of this as being a young adult. Yeah. I was kinda shocked, you know. But it, you know it, it's really interesting. Um they sent it out as a young adult book and the young adult bloggers all blogged on it, yeah. you know? And they all get, they said it's a great book and a great writing, but they blamed they looked for someone to I think Psychologically, they they look for someone to because Mary Rose has a really shitty life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we hung in there because it went to court for four years because we opened the estate and had the father removed so he wouldn't get any money from it, um, and that was a whole ordeal because and, he was an asshole. Because he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, yeah, it just goes on and on. Yeah. I, the, the story about doing this book would make a book, you know. Who did you who did you work with to get your hands on it and to get the permission to turn it into a book? It, my, my lawyer in Pennsylvania, Keith McWork of Madrakian and McCurk Law Firm. He's he helped you get the manuscript. Actually, he 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 has been he has been just a, a yeah. great friend and and a great. Um, guy and a great lawyer too you know was there a concern early on when you were looking at this uh, this book of this young woman who had a really terrible life was there a worry that um, you could have done it in a way that was sort of exploitative I mean it's her words I guess that well, maybe well, pe- cancels pe- it out people said would she have wanted this yeah. book published well would Anne Frank have wanted her diaries pu- I mean I mean it's just I mean, that's the only yeah. comparison I really can think yeah. of to Dear Nobody is, is Anne Frank, which was kind of a boring book to me because hmm. they cut out all the good parts, you know. <laughs> they edited that stuff out. It's her just sitting in this room, you know, for, for however long they... Which is kind of claustrophobic and awful in itself, yeah. but not a lot happened, yeah. you know. And this book, I mean, the first line of this book is... I got re- I got arrested yesterday. Yeah, I hate saying that, but it happened. Yeah, I mean, what a great first line. You know, I got arrested yesterday. I hate saying that, but it happens. So you go you go on these tours. You know, it's a again it, it for however it turned into a YA book, a YA book. It turned into a YA book, but you're dealing with. I mean, you're talking to what 13, 14, 15 year olds. There are some, yeah, younger kids in there. Um, they seem kind of fascinated. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I don't know why anyone would ever go to a reading or a book yeah. signing or any of that. I would never go. It seems a little bit stupid to me. I mean, not that people are stupid, but the whole event. Yeah. You know? It is weird to see somebody stand up and read words off of it. Although, although, I must say, reading Please Kill Me is fun. Mm-hmm. Because Jillian and I do the voices so fast. You know, it it's it's kind of that's actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, that I'd go see. You know, I'm just trying. I'm trying to imagine if it was someone else. Yeah, you know, 
I'm just try, I'm trying to imagine you, you know, interacting with a 14-year-old girl. I mean, that must be a, a different experience. <laughs> you know, they're kids. Yeah. They're kids. And you know what? You know... And you, if they, you know, if they're they're sitting there, they're they're probably nice kids, mm-hmm. you know. So you treat them nicely, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I, the, it's not a big deal, yeah. You know, but we, you know, we get so many weird people that come to these things, you know, that, who are really actually very nice, yeah. You know, and people seem a lot smarter than you give them, you know, we give them credit for, or or, or people give them credit for. You would think that you would expect people going to a, a book reading would have some base level of knowledge. Right? I mean, if that's if that's how they've chosen to spend their day, is I don't know. There's a lot books. of stupid out yeah. there, man. Jesus Christ, I've met them all. <laughs> do you, do you? Uh, I mean, now that you're you're back in the city, I guess for the. For most of the week that you're taking meetings, are are you do you, uh, do you miss do you miss the city ever? No, I'm here too often. Okay. No, I wish I, I wish I could miss it. Yeah. But I always have to. I'm always somewhere. Yeah. I you know I haven't known where I where I've been actually since April. <laughs> you know I haven't been home more than a week. You know, and I don't fly, so I have to drive everywhere. You, you 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 don't enjoy the traveling part of the process as much as the. I actually do. I like driving. Okay. Yeah, I have a, I have a guy that I drive with. Yeah. And uh, he's a good guy, and he doesn't talk much, and I can stare out the window. Yeah. You know, and think of you know because you need I need. You know, you just need some days to think about stuff. Sure. You know, about what you're doing and does it fit? You know. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it sounds like you know when you're doing a, when you're doing a, a big narrative oral history as we're doing, you know. Yeah, when you're trying to put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like this giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. You know, and I, I've kind of got the outline done. You know, I'm still looking for that blue sky piece that you always lose. You know. But the Manson book, you feel like overall, you you know pretty much what it's going to be. You just need to color. I've it got in. the frame done, yeah. and I'm looking for that blue piece of sky <laughs> that you always lose. Yeah, I yeah. just explained it to you. <laughs> well, I'm asking about that. Specific. You know, the frame of the puzzle. You always get the frame because yeah, 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 they yeah. got the they got the lines on them. Yeah. You know, those that's the easy part. But that's what keeps you going, though. Well, I'm knowing... following the. I'm just yeah. following the lines. <laughs> Or, so I can frame it, you know. But that's what I mean. That's what gives you motivation to fill in the center is that you've created the the border. That you know, you know that you found a story. The Terry Melcher section is going great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll just say two words about the Terry Melcher mm. section: the Golden Penetrators. That's all I can say. All right. Does it have to do with Doris Day? Dean Martin's Daughters. There you go. That was Lex McNeil, uh, conducted in a hotel room in Brooklyn, New York. Um, very, I was actually very surprised to find that he's, he's no longer a New York City resident. Yeah, we're, we're 
no big deal. We're friends over on Facebook. Uh, I, you know, and I've, I've been trying to get him on the show for a while and just kind of naturally assumed that he was still in the city. You know, to me, he's uh, very much a, a part of that, that, that late 70s, early 80s New York City fabric. But, uh, you know, they got rid of CBGBs. They got rid of pretty much everything else. And I guess they, uh, they got rid of legs uh, in the process, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, he seems to be seems to be very happy living a, a very bucolic lifestyle outside of the city right now and keeping extremely busy uh he was in town for a number of reasons he had a new book come out in uh in april of uh, of last year uh, dear nobody the true diary of mary rose uh, so he was he was, was kind of he was doing a reading of that in the city but also he was he was in town for uh, for for his upcoming book which we we spoke about you know usually uh, if you if you listen to the show, you know I usually don't really um, go that hard on point. But uh, man, I really want to find out some dirt about Manson. <laughs> he said, uh, "Legs, uh, legs, legs." Seems to have some sources. He seems to be um, seems to know uh, a, a few of the the only people in in Los Angeles uh, who have, have have not been interviewed at any point for a book about Charles Manson. So very very excited uh, to read that book when it comes out. Uh, he's been working on all sorts of things. Um, I happen to ca- catch him at a, a very, very, very down period. Um, you know, he had just done this reading. He had just come back for from from dinner, which I, I missed unfortunately. I was looking extremely relaxed on uh, on a hotel bed watching Law and Order, an episode um, which I think he knew by heart. If he didn't know by heart, he had at least seen um, pro- probably probably several times. Uh, seemed to be enjoying himself. So thank you so much to Lex for taking the time uh, out uh, from from a, a rare moment to relax to speak to me. Um, Lex has been doing this for a long, long time. He's, of course, one of the, the founders of Punk Magazine, uh, the author of Please Kill Me, which was written with uh, Jillian McCain, his co-author on Dear Nobody, um, which is... I, the, you know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna read a book on on, on punk rock, the, the origins of punk, that would that would absolutely be the one to read. Uh, so uh, thanks so much to him. Um, you can you can follow him. It's pleasekillme.com is, is is his website. He posts over there. I believe he's uh, doing a column for for Vice now as well. Uh, hopefully, a lot more information to come out about that. Uh, that that's that Manson book that he's been working on. So thank you so much to Legs for, for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. Thanks to everybody at the Boing Boy Podcast Network. If you like this show, many other fine podcasts, you can find them over at iTunes or boingboing.net. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the opportunity to, to rate us. Give us some, give, give us some, uh, give us some ratings love over there. Got a relatively new Facebook page. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that I'm friends with Legs McNeil on, on Facebook. Again, not a big deal. You can be friends with us on Facebook. Like like is over at Facebook. Um, trying to do a pretty <laughs> okay job keeping up with things over there. Uh, but the best place to follow the show is rolcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you'll get these shows before they go up anywhere else. Uh, if you have any feedback or anything like that, you can uh, drop us a line. It's rolcast at gmail.com. That's, uh, I think that's that's about all I got for this week. So we will be back just about next time. Uh, this, this time, this time, next week, with another episode of R.I.Y.L. <laughs>